0: Just Life, a programme from Radio Maria, England. And welcome. Today we have on our programme, Brendan Metcalf. And Brendan has spoken to us before. He's from the Friends of the Holy Land. And today, Brendan, you are here to speak with us about your Pentecost challenge.
1: That's right, Aileen. Uh, uh, The Pentecost challenge. Um, Basically, uh, we are challenging uh, Christians in the UK to help us uh, raise awareness and a little bit of funds and also understand a bit more uh, our mission in the Holy Land by completing a virtual walk, which is going from Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Fabulous. uh, We want people to try and do that and, and, and complete it before Pentecost. so as we've probably got what, six weeks to go before Pentecost. Um, and it's uh, it will take people through uh, many parts of the Holy Land that pilgrims do not usually visit. So it's, uh, I believe, quite interesting uh, for them to discover more about the Holy Land, the places we don't really hear about the places where there are some ancient and vulnerable Christian communities. In fact, one or two of the places that we visit uh, are still majority uh, uh, Christian residents in the villages and, and towns. So, so very different from uh, the Bethlehem and Jerusalem and Nazareth that people may have heard of and are used to.
0: We look forward um, to hearing it, Brendan. Thank you.
1: Yeah, well, thank you. I mean, um, the the distance is about 100 miles. So, you know, in six weeks, there's plenty of time to do that. Plus, what we're hoping is that uh, churches and parishes and schools and other organisations may get together and register as a team. Now, if they register as a team, the combined mileage and walking, running, whatever that people want to do uh, gets uh, added together so that the journey can be shared and and completed in a much shorter time. I mean, all these details are on our website, friends of the holy land.org.uk. And uh, if people uh, when they're on the website, they can click on the link to the Pentecost challenge 2022, or they could go straight there. If they put friends of the Hoyland.org.uk backslash Pentecost 22. Um, last year, we had hundreds of teams who made this for a virtual journey. Uh, and this time we're hoping to do better uh, and uh, hoping that uh, these participants will not only do some fundraising for us, but share their journey with their friends and family and share awareness of, you know, the the great and uh, uh, historic uh, places of the Holy Land that are central to our faith. I mean, these are the communities that were originally founded by the apostles after Pentecost, which is know why we end up uh, uh, the the events in Pentecost and why we call it the Pentecost challenge. Um, And the purpose for this year is really to help us get the vulnerable communities that we go through these, these uh, ancient communities help them get back on their feet, you know, for the last Uh, Two years or so, uh, they've been suffering uh, in the pandemic. I mean, like many places, perhaps, but more uh, acutely to some extent because these places are so dependent on uh, visitors, tourists in the major cities like uh, Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Jerusalem, and in the other cities because of bluntly the occupation conditions uh, they're very dependent on uh, employment through Israel and obviously during the pandemic the Israel economy was also uh, uh, curtailed and many were unemployed and and have struggled to survive for this last two years so our goal is to help them get back on their feet and, and help them In doing so, um, train, retrain, pick up new skills so that they're less dependent, first of all, on tourism for their livelihood, but also just generally on sort of casual labour type opportunities. Uh, And in this way, what we hope is that we can encourage and insulate these families against future problems like this and to give them a stable livelihood, to give them a stable income, to help them sustain and remain in the Holy Land. I mean, that's our overall mission. I mean, as I've mentioned before, I mean, the Christmas, the Christian community in the Holy Land 100 years ago was close to 30%. Um, Today, in parts, uh, in Israel, it's down as low as 2%, and in the West Bank, it's down below 1%. So, a very small minority, a very much overlooked minority. I mean, when it comes to uh, the grants made at government-to-government level, or through the major international aid organizations, these small minorities are often overlooked. And and for ourselves as Christians, the the real danger, and it's not just me who's saying this, if if people go to the websites of the various patriarchates in Jerusalem, um, there's very much the message that if we're not careful, within our, our generation, um, there'll no longer be active Christian communities at some of these you know, essential founding holy sites in the Holy Land. Uh, how terrible would that be if there was no longer, uh, I believe in East Jerusalem, which is where the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is located uh, which obviously is key to the Easter message. This is the church that's built on Calvary. This is the church that within its walls, you have the edicule, which is the, um, the room that's built around the tomb in which Christ was laid. I mean, these are, these are essential and historic sites. And I believe at the moment there's less than a 1,000 Christians living in the area, living in, the, in East Jerusalem. And at their current rate of decline, how would it be if there was not an active worshipping community uh, attending on a regular basis at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre? It It'll just become a museum. It will be something that people go to visit but won't have any local support. So these are the sort of dangers that I feel very keenly, and this is the mission that we have as Friends of the Holy Land, to make sure that we can uh, help these vulnerable communities to stay in place and to continue to worship and witness in the land where Jesus walked, where it all originally happened um i mean do do, do you do get where where I'm coming from Eileen? is that something you would understand?
0: Yes, it is Brendan I'm uh, fascinated as as I listen um and it's not something I have given a lot of thought to myself, so um so it's a you're teaching me <laughs>
1: as well. well i hope i hope all uh, many of your listeners can can equally you know pause and have a thought and Go to our website, friendstheholyland.org.uk. There's lots of information there. But also visit the websites of the various churches. You know, uh, the Holy Land is a fantastic uh, example of ecumenism. I mean, we're an ecumenical charity. You know, we help all people, all Christian people of all denominations in the Holy Land. And we get support from all christian people of all denominations in the uk and ireland you know so um but in the Holy Land, you know if you visit you will come across so many denominations that you will may maybe never have even heard of you know i believe there's about 14 or 15 specifically recognized denominations there's six I mean, denominations in the, in the Catholic rite. I mean, this is something that as Catholics, we may find surprising, but there are other rites within the Latin rite, within the Catholic rite, who are all recognized and um, uh, see the Pope as their leader. Uh, from Melkite, Syrian Melkabar, uh, and many others. And if you go to online, you can research these communities, and most of them have websites. I mean, for example, the Latin Patriarchate of Jerusalem has a very effective website. As, and if you go to the website, you'll pick up on their news and you'll see some of the statements released by the heads of churches, one of whom, of course, is his Beatitude Archbishop, Pierre Pizzabella, who I had the privilege to meet when I was in the Holy Land last month, and who is very actively supporting us in our mission. But if you read those statements, you will see the difficulties, the challenges that our Christian brothers and sisters face in the Holy Land on a daily basis. And you'll read about how the, the Christian communities have declined because of those pressures for many, many years. Um, But also not just go to the Latin Patriarchate website. Uh, There obviously is the historic uh, connection to the Franciscans. I mean, we all, this Good Friday in all of our Catholic parishes had the collection for the holy places. Now, that collection goes to the Franciscans in the Holy Land, who are called the custos, who have been there since I believe something like 1250, back when it was, you know, under Turkish uh, rule, um, and have cared for and looked after these sites, but also have built schools and other institutions to help support Christians generally in the Holy Land. And if you look at their website, you will see similar images and read about similar stories of the challenges that the Christians face every day. Uh, Sadly, you know, in our own uh, media, and perhaps in our own awareness, um, we only get to hear about the Holy Land, when there's conflict, when there's missiles flying, when it's deemed newsworthy. And, you know, in those brief reporting uh, moments, we get a very biased and, and focused, shall we say, uh, a view that's focused on conflict. I mean, there's a lot of good people, there's a lot of goodwill, there's a lot of uh, um, joint ecumenical and interfaith dialogue, which is seeking to maintain peace and harmony in the Holy Land. And you know, very much we would hope that uh, Christians in the UK will help us to support that. Just help us uh, enable people to live a normal life despite all the difficulties. Um, and again, taking part in the Pentecost challenge, if people take part, if people fundraise for our mission, if people help raise awareness in their community, in their parish, in their church, in their school, through building a team or supporting a team, is a very good way of helping us to uh, reach out in all areas of our work in the Holy Land. Uh, and obviously, you can see more on the website that I've mentioned, friends of the Holy Land.org.uk. You can see all the different areas that we work in, um, you know, our, our work covers uh, education support, our work covers employment support, our work covers uh, medical support, both in terms of surgeries and in terms of medication for people who need it. Uh, our work includes improving the housing conditions, some of the houses in Bethlehem in particular are a couple of hundred years old and you know have <laughs> have very poor electrical damp proofing and and are not well designed particularly for the, some of the elderly population to live in so we you know we're involved in doing lots of small individual projects which can have a, a remarkable direct impact in the lives of these christian families I mean, what, what makes us as friends of the Holy land um, and I mentioned this before, very different from many other international charities is we have a specific focus. We only work in the Holy land that's Israel, the West bank, Gaza, and Jordan. And we're registered with the authorities such that we can maintain an office in Bethlehem and employ two part-time social workers to help us in our assessing needs in our work. But also that means we can also maintain a bank account in our name uh, in, in, in the Holy Land, so that we can make payments directly to these people who are in need. You know, this is, you know, money's coming directly from our supporters in the UK, directly through our bank account, to these individuals so we know exactly who we're working with and we don't have any uh, uh, need to work through other international agencies. Now we do obviously on occasion partner with them, but we always know the names and the situation of all the beneficiaries that we're supporting. so in taking part in the Pentecost Challenge, you know that your fundraising efforts, the results of those fundraising assets, efforts, will go directly to what I like to call the coalface. <laughs> it goes directly where the help is needed. Now, we're a non-political, uh, non-campaigning charity. It's a very complex uh, situation in the Holy Land, and that's another reason why it's not widely reported on it quite often gets put into that too difficult box because people are nervous that if they open it and start talking about it, they'll get accused of all kinds of bias. So we're a non-political charity. We don't campaign for a solution to the conflict, to a solution to the situation, but we do recognise the 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 facts on the ground. We do recognise the results of those that situation and of that conflict, and we take practical steps and practical action specifically to help the people impacted by those uh, uh, facts directly. So that's that's how we work.
0: Brendan, uh, that, is that a good time for us to take a short music break?
1: It would be, thank
0: is you. It? A- <laughs> Great, <laughs> okay. Well, I I think, I'm sure you will have heard of these, Brendan. Helena was telling me about them, the um, Jerusalem Youth Choir Chorus. Yes. And I have a piece of music from their YouTube site, which is I Can Hold Your Gaze. So I, I'll play for that for us now.
1: Thank you, Eileen.
0: Okay.
2: Sometimes I can't wrap my head around how big this world can be But and flight is all that it takes to pull you away from me Sometimes I live in the moment too much to cherish it it's gone like a train of thought before I can catch it again, 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 again. And we're here again at the gate, at the edge, at the fence of goodbye. Of so long. Of the next time. The person I try so hard to make proud Other times you're my safe haven From all the thunderclouds Sometimes it's fury and envy and bad luck, let all in one go Cause I hate how your birthday is passing And I don't see you blow the can Promise me not to leave me.
0: This time. So you are listening to Radio Maria, and this is just life, and we have Brendan Metcalf from Friends of the Holy Land speaking to us this morning. And so far, Brendan has been telling us about some of the difficulties faced by families in the Holy Land, Christian families of all den- denominations and how small that community has become, and also about how his charity helps to sustain families to live full and good lives there. Um, Brendan, over to you for our next part.
1: Thank you, Eileen. Well, I thought I should specifically talk about our Pentecost Challenge event and how people could get involved. Now, as I said, if they go to our website, friendsoftheholyland.org.uk, Backslash Pentecost 22. They can see uh, the information there, and what we have is a virtual journey that goes from Nazareth to Bethlehem, and it's uh, on the platform Enthus platform, which is the same platform that's used by now by the London Marathon, and what it does is it allows you to uh, walk al- you know, walk along a Google Earth map which means once you're set up as you progress along the map you can go right down to google earth view and and have a look around where you are uh on the map uh when you register you will see that we have 10 milestones between nazareth and uh bethlehem and at each milestone which at each town that we stop along the, the route you will be sent information all about the place itself, the history of the place, uh, some messages and videos from the Christian community, uh, and more information about the work that Friends of the Holy Land do uh, in that place. Now the instructions are very simple. You know, you you as I say, you go to our website, you click on the "I would like to register" button which will take you to the setup page on Enthus. Uh, before you start, you need to decide whether or not you want to take part as an individual or as a team. And if you want to take part as a team, then the captain or the leader establishes the team page, uh, which is also very simple, and invites other people, other members of the team to join. Uh, obviously, you set a target and then decide how you're going to take part. I mean, you can obviously walk the distance, you can run the distance, or because it's a virtual uh, uh, progress, you could swim the distance, even though it's on land. You could cycle, or you can ride a donkey. You can track your mileage yourself and simply upload it when you've completed your daily or weekly contribution. Or the site is actively linked with Strava, which is the... Uh, tracking, fitness tracking software, which is used in a lot of devices, particularly on a lot of people's smartphones, and that can automatically record your mileage and upload it on the map for you. Um, As you progress uh, through the journey, and and meet these uh, different uh, communities, uh, virtually, you can share your progress. Uh, through social media, through uh, emails or however you wish. And by sharing that information and those links, the people in your network can also join in and get to know more about these these places. I mean, some of the places you'll visit that you may never have heard of are places such as Janine, which is in a very northern part of the West Bank. And in Janine, there's an ancient church, which is very rarely visited, which is a church which is built into the cave where the ten lepers who were cured lived. For. So there's a church celebrating that miracle that I believe was built in about 350 AD, one of the oldest churches in the world. Uh, as you progress down, you, you will go to Nablus. Uh, uh, Nablus is a major city, but a very small Christian uh, population in in Nablus. Uh, There's an Anglican community, Latin community, and a small Greek Orthodox community, and you can find out more about them. Uh, Nablus itself is uh, actually an ancient site, an ancient site from the Old Testament called Shechem. And Shechem is where, first of all, God showed Abraham the land that he had promised him. And then when the Jews came out of Egypt, um, when Jacob took over from Moses, it's the place where the Jewish people renewed their vows or promises to God uh, as they first established themselves in the area in the in the uh, northern part of the of of what is now the West Bank. Further on, you can go to the town of Taipei. What is unusual about Taipei is that it is one of the few towns where the residents are almost a hundred percent Christian. So it's one of the few enclaves of uh, uh, of Christian communities um, and Taipei is the place where Jesus rested before he returned to Jerusalem uh, and entered the city uh, which we celebrate today at Palm Sunday uh, Taipei also as a separate anecdote has one of the, mo- the biggest and most successful Christian businesses which is a beer brewing company called Taipei Beer so all sorts of interesting facts and then in the other major places you will obviously in addition to learning about the uh, sites you will have already heard of you'll find out more about the work that we do uh, particularly for example in bethlehem in in, in beta where we we support school of joy which is a school for special needs children Now, these children uh, have a variety of special needs. Uh, When I last visited in March, uh, three of the children were autistic. And much of these challenges have been um, generated uh, uh, by the environment in which they live. Uh, And because they are from very poor and vulnerable families, uh, and because the public school system is not able to cope with them, um, they have very, very few other places to go. If they're not at School of Joy, they'd either be uh, locked up at home or wandering the streets. So, you know, it's an essential project. And, you know, School of, uh, school of Joy is solely funded through uh, grants from Friends of the Land. They were previously funded by us and some other smaller charities, but in the pandemic, the ability of those smaller charities to continue to support was reduced because of the challenges in their own fundraising. And so now we're solely responsible for the upkeep and operation of School of Joy. So these are all places that you'll visit and learn about. And along the way, hopefully, you will also uh, understand Uh, our new um, programs which we uh, are introducing, which are effectively uh, to help people um, either leaving school or young people who are stuck in a non-productive role to reskill and to move into uh, a vocation with vocational training which can lead directly to work or to perhaps leave school and go into studies that are specifically needed, such as nursing. Now we call this new program, our road to success scholarships. And through this program, we hope to support young people to establish themselves in work, in a career, and perhaps even a small business that will help them be resilient for the future and be able to stay and remain in the Holy Land and not be impacted in the future by an over-reliance on one area of business, and that's tourism. So I hope you will visit uh, our website, friendsoftheholyland.org.uk. I hope that you will go and look at our Pentecost challenge page and I hope you will be inspired to take the walk. I mean, here we are in the, in the beautiful springtime weather. What better thing to do than to go out and get some uh, exercise in that wonderful weather and at the same time um, also get the uh, uplifting uh, of your spirits and your mind uh, to get away from the stresses of daily life in the countryside, always beneficial to us all. Whilst doing a virtual journey, uh, spreading awareness and doing some fundraising for our mission and your br- brothers and sisters in the Holy Land.
0: Sounds fabulous, Brendan. Is this a good time for me to put some music on and invite our dear listeners, Absolutely. to call Why in. <laughs> okay, so, dear listener, if you have any questions to ask Brendan about this Pentecost challenge, about the work of um, the charitable work that is done by the uh. Friends of the Holy Land, if you have any experiences of being in the Holy Land, um, I'm sure. Brendan would love to hear those too and and to speak about that. So our number is 01223 That's 01223 And I have another piece of music to play from the Jerusalem Youth Chorus. And it is A Million Dreams, which I hope matches what you've been talking about, Brendan. Thank you. And the number again is 01223 375 564 that's 01223 375 564 do give a call
2: through the dark through the door through when no one's been before but it feels like home they can say they can say
0: listening to Just Life and today we have Brendan Metcalf with us from Friends of the Holy Land and we have a question and the question is from our own dear Helena. Helena you're on air. Hello
1: Brendan. Hello Helena, how are you?
0: I'm good. Happy
2: Easter.
1: And you. Happy Easter. (laughs) Brendan,
2: I've got a question. With It's such good work that you're doing. And you mentioned about how young people are leaving the country, but that happens—that's happening to a lot of countries uh, around the world, where they leave to go towards other countries where there's more uh, financial availability and stuff. What what would them there? Are there? Is there? How can we? Yeah, besides having. Financial opportunities in the in the place. What would make them young people, culturally or however, want to stay in that in Israel?
1: Well, I think I, I think in a way it's it's um, slightly different to other countries. I mean, I think most young people uh, that I meet are very proud of their Christian heritage, and very proud of their uh, of their place in the Holy Land, and very conscious of the fact that they're if you like the uh people praying for the rest of the christian world in the place of its birth i mean it's a very strong feeling but i think there's a couple of things really um one is the implications of immigration are very much different in the holy land in other places you know you often hear of people relocating from their home to another country like we have in the in the uk people coming from i don't know poland and other places they come here they work here they do i don't know five ten years working here and they can always go back and visit and they can always go back for good when they want to when they want to when they feel they've got themselves to that place of economic stability Uh, when you emigrate from the Holy land it's a one-way ticket you don't get. You don't get to go back. Yeah, you don't get. It's very difficult for uh, Palestinians generally uh, to get uh, to to return and visit. Number one, um, uh, and you know we're talking here about um, restrictions and other. Um, I mean, there's a great deal of travel restrictions in the country. And the other problem is that um, the, well, the, the ability to return to live is not going to happen. I and mean, something I haven't really talked about is the, there's a great difficulty and a great separation between the status of people who are born in the West Bank and people who are born in Israel. And that replies to Christians as much as it does to Muslims and other, uh, and, and, and well, there's no Jewish people born in the West Bank. But the point I'm getting to is that to get uh, uh, the ability to travel, uh, you need an Israeli ID. Uh, obtaining an Israeli ID is not easy unless you're born actually in Israel. So that's for Christians, let's say Nazareth and, and East Jerusalem, primarily um and even then it's not guaranteed i mean i was with on my last trip uh, the lutheran bishop in jerusalem whose daughter had recently had a baby and uh, there's a three-month window from birth where you're supposed to be easily able to register a child to receive their israeli id and obviously from that israeli id flow all the things such as education, hospitalization, health care, etc, cetera, etc. Um, and anyway, it was approaching the three month uh, window uh, and he'd still not been able to get the child registered with an Israeli ID and he's the bishop of the uh, the head of the Lutheran community, so very well known yeah there's mm-hmm. there's all sorts of criteria you need to go through if you're not a Jewish person born in Israel seeking to get an Israeli ID. Now if you're in the West Bank, you don't you get a Palestinian ID, which is be means that you have severe travel restrictions. You're not able to visit Israel without a a, a travel permit. And those travel permits are restricted. It also means you may not be able to leave from Tel Aviv Airport, for example. It may mean you need to go through into Jordan to leave, which has also different implications. So your ability to return and make a short visit or even return and live is severely compromised once you emigrate. So uh, it's, it's much more of a sort of final decision. Uh, if you do immigrate and going back to the people who typically emigrate in my mind talking to them it's not the very young so much uh although a lot of them think about it i think where the decision becomes key is when um people are looking to get married and, and and have a family because you've got the major difficulties in getting accommodation because of the cost of accommodation i mean Particularly, if you're living in East Jerusalem, uh, Jerusalem is a major international city, and the rental costs of uh, accommodation in Jerusalem is about the same as London. Yeah, so it's very expensive, and the wages are not anywhere near as high. Uh, and then there's that thought of if you're raising a family, do I want to raise my children? Uh, in a situation where there's that constant fear of conflict. So all those things, uh, 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 I think, are when people start to think about emigrating. And it's happening all the time. Last year, I've heard of 500 families leaving Bethlehem. And that will be pretty much leaving Bethlehem for good. I mean, we see this... For example, with our St. Martha's House project, our St. Martha's House project uh, supports elderly women, uh, most of whom are widows uh, and most of whom their family uh, have emigrated. And because their family have emigrated, they don't have that support base anymore their family are struggling to make a life in their new country and are not able to come back and help care for them. So, you know, at St Martha's House, we try and step in and give them that support. So, I mean, I hope that answers your question without being too
0: lengthy. No, no, beautiful. Thank you, Brendan. Thank you so much. I've learned so much today. Good evening. Thank thank you, Helena, for calling. And we have, um, we've just got about five minutes Brendan, for a, sure. another question, which is a slightly off, off the, the main topic, but it's from our um, listener, John, who's, who's sent a message from Japan. And he says he would like to lead Japanese Christians to the Holy Land when possible. A tour operator friend of ours organises pilgrimages for Japanese Christians, but doesn't want to be put in contact with fellow operators. He asks, is there any idea why? And I'm assuming that this is partly because he would like to organize a visit and any suggestions about that?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't have a lot of experience of, of organizing tours in Japan, but we have connections with what are called ground handlers, who are the people that uh, tourists uh, or pilgrimage operators work with in the Holy Land, to organize all the logistics on the ground. So if anybody was looking to try to get together a pilgrimage and had the ability to organize, if you like, the airfare side of the package, you know, I can put them in touch with people in the Holy Land who can cater for all of the rest, you know, organizing hotels and buses and and the tours, uh, to all the different places and the logistics of a of a pilgrimage. Uh, as to why a Japanese tour operator may not want to uh, be too connected, uh, I'm not quite sure. I'd very much, if if this individual had a contact, uh, I'd very much like them to put us in touch, because when people visit, one of the things we like to do is add some experiences to the itinerary. I mean, it's always possible for pilgrims to visit School of Joy or to visit St. Martha's House. You know, go to School of Joy, meet the kids, have a tour around the school and get some insights into their work and their life. Or go to St. Martha's House and, you know, they're always very welcoming and typically, you know, you could have lunch with the ladies. And again, hear from their history, hear from, uh, their experiences over their lifetime in, in the Hoyland. These are the people we call the living stones, the people who who basically are the holders of the archives of these communities. So very much like to reach out. And there are other things we can do. We can have people visit pilgrims in their hotels and speak to them. We can ha- arrange visits to schools and other projects that we're working with all these things uh, can bring your pilgrimage to the holy land to life i mean where you can meet the meet the people and understand better uh, the conditions for our brothers and sisters so you know if if whoever was asking the question wanted to be in touch i mean my email address is simply my name Metcalf at friends of the and my email is on the website, which is friendsoftheyland.org.uk. Please get in touch and I could do whatever I can to help. And you know, I'm sure in Japan you can, you know the beauty of the Pentecost Challenge is an international event because it's virtual. And if they wanted to get some idea of the places they would visit on a pilgrimage, why not take part in the Pentecost Challenge and get to know more of the place? Uh, anyway, I hope to hear from them.
0: I think um, listening to what you've been speaking about, I've never been to the Holy Land, and but I've had a desire to go. But when you speak about it, Brendan, and you talk about these people who who have lived their living stones with that ancestral connection to Jesus, um, it really is heart-filling. Um I can see I have a caller on the line so I'm going to just quickly go over to that on air Brendan and I'm just going to we've got very little time left but let's just see whether we can get in another question. Hello dear caller you're on air. Hello, Hello Peter. Hi. I'm good thank you Peter. Um just to let you know dear listener and Brendan as well. Peter finds it a little bit difficult, well, difficult to speak because of a stroke. Um, So, Peter, I think your question is, um, you would like to go to the Holy Land. Um, Do you use a wheelchair, Peter? Okay. Well, let me ask Brendan about that. And I know that we can also get more details for you to speak, to follow up off air as well, Peter. So, I'll do that for you now. So Brendan, did you hear that from Peter? Yes, absolutely
1: yeah. and and obviously there's facilities at most of the sites for people who uh, are you know challenged in in walking. yeah uh, and uh, I'm sure that uh, I don't know which part of the country Peter's in.
0: Peter's but... in London.
1: I oh, was in London. Yeah. okay so um, for example, I know that Westminster Diocese is taking a pilgrimage in November
0: okay. to the
1: Holy Land, uh, and there's other, obviously others uh, within the Westminster Diocese who could help if he would be interested in making a visit. Um, and if you were to send me his details, I'd be happy to send details of operators. Okay, and I'm sure some of them would be able to help you know, with the challenges he may face in country. But, I mean, really, that would be down more to the ground handlers and they're very skilled at working with people of of all ages and all abilities. I mean, this is something that, you know, in 2019, there's four and a half million visitors wow. to the Holy Land. I mean, there hasn't been for a long time and that's what we're trying to get back. Yeah. I mean, going back to your point, I mean, one of the things that always surprises me is, You know, so many people who have not visited the Holy Land. And, you know, when you go to church on a Sunday and you hear the readings from the Bible, I mean, you must understand that 90% of what you're listening to happens within 100 miles of Jerusalem. Yeah. And surely you have some curiosity as to see where all of that happened. And I've not met anybody who has visited for whom it has not given a greater understanding and insight into their faith. I mean, just to see uh, the land where Jesus walked and perhaps be uh, on the shores of uh, Lake Tiberius in Galilee, and maybe even, you know, walking on the same grains of sand that he walked upon. I mean, things like that. But yeah. I mean, there's, there's uh, so much to be uh, gained from a visit. And actually, you know, I would encourage people of all ages to go, take your family, go when you're at university, because there's no better time than to, than to go early. Don't hold back and make it a, list, uh, a, a visit just for your retirement. Uh, I understand sometimes it's priced as a luxury type trip, but you know we do know of operators who do more cost-effective trips. And if people are interested, I'd be happy to put them in touch. And, you know, you could visit the holly for not much more than a week in Lourdes or a, or, or a week in Fatima, uh, if you go at the right time and stay in the right uh, cost-effective
0: locations. Brendan, thank you so much. Peter, I'm, I, can, I hope you can still hear me on the radio. So I will speak to you on your phone line in a couple of minutes, um, just to get your details, uh, or the details that... Brendan could help with, but also just to make sure you've got the Westminster details. Brendan, we have to finish, but it has been such a pleasure to listen to you this morning. Um, thank you so much for coming into us and speaking again.
1: Thank you, Aileen. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: I, I feel uh, that there's more that you can say, but we'll, we'll see about that. <laughs>
1: Well, I look look forward to a Radio Maria team on our Pentecost challenge, you know.
0: Yeah, right, okay. We'll have a chat about and speak to my colleagues about that. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Thank you. All the very best.